0: the LMTP low man on the totem pole podcast. We're your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co host corporate trainer and advocate for giving out weird old timey candies to trick or treaters on Halloween. Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and the straight-shooting bitch-witch for your HR horror stories, Heather MacArthur. Hey, 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 Heather. Thanks, uh, thanks for another great intro. <laughs> We're
1: excited about this episode. Welcome to the show. We're walking listeners through strategies, attitude changes, and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career. Most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. We are super excited to have uh, guests with us today, joining us as Vice President of Human Resources for the Game Show Network, and our uh, own personal Halloween Grinch is Christina Zeller. <laughs> Me! <laughs>
0: Oh. welcome, Hello. Hello. hi! Thanks for having me. We're thrilled to have you. I know Halloween is not everybody's grind, so everybody gets <laughs> their own perspective on this time of year. But we're thrilled Thank to you have so you much. with us. Very happy to be here.
1: So we're uh, we're Chad and Christina and I have worked together over the years, and and so Katie and I have as well. And we've all sat in kind of interesting spots within HR. And I always think that being there, I almost wish everybody just had like a tour day that they had to spend a day working in HR to get a sense of like what crap really rolls down the hill and today I figure we talk about <laughs> when some of the stuff that if everyone had that lens and could see here are the complaints that come through here are the problems that come here's the crazy stuff that we see that seems so preventable when we, when we look at it from the big picture and so my first one I'll, I'll throw out my first one and then I, I you know want people you know Katie and Christina to jump in with what your thoughts are because I come from kind of the training world it's it's my first thought is just everyone's kind of coming to me and it's the common complaint of like this company doesn't care about us there's no career path and to me I'm like how is it that you don't get that that doesn't exist anymore that that's kind of 15, 20 years dead. And how much time are you spending just kind of ticked about it and bitching about your manager not caring enough and whatnot and not realizing like that's kind of gone by the wayside and now it's really kind of up to you to come to the table? That's probably one of my major pet peeves, but I'll I'll throw it out to you guys. Is there any pet peeve that kind of floats up for you? You know,
2: I think the first thing that comes to my mind, and I actually got in an argument with an executive about this. (laughs) I. Very recently, <laughs> um, I think they the executives think that HR is too much of an advocate for the employee, and the employees always think that we're an advocate too much for the company. And I argue both sides, and I say, but the hardest part of our job is straddling both and trying to be an advocate for both, and they just don't, they don't understand that. And it frustrates me so much, just to the point where I sit there and I go, you don't even know how much I fought for you, you know, in this other <laughs> conversation. And you're telling me I don't I don't fight enough for you. You know what I mean? Um it's almost that ungratefulness of I just literally got chewed out trying to get you this or that, you know, and yet I'm not fighting hard enough for them. So that's one of my big biggest pet peeves.
1: You know, I'd love that you called that out because what they'll say is employees will say, Oh, all HR cares about is what the leaders want. And leaders will be like, Oh, you're being too soft with the employees. Yep. And both of them are missing the mark. It's not about either of them. It's about the company. So what's going to help Mm -hmm. the company grow? And what's fascinating is if both sides would focus more on that and not this mindset of it's us against leadership or leadership against the staff that they get that sometimes the decision that they are not happy with is the right decision and benefits them in the long run. But they're kind of caught in this like little West Side Story. is the Sharks versus <laughs> the Jets. And I'm like, what are you doing?
0: Right. Yeah. And going back to the example that you've set out a couple times, Heather, on this podcast about the idea that people view their workplace as – they viewed their college experience or their high school experience, where the the people that manage them are somehow their teachers or responsible for them in some way. Human resources becomes, in their minds to people who have that mindset, kind of a big brother, somebody that's there to either punish them for doing things slightly wrong or that they are expecting to give them the handouts that they need to get where they're going. To your point, Christina, you know, to have charted a path for them on their behalf for the remainder of their career. And it's tough to get out of that mentality, especially if you're straight out of college. And that's really the only dynamic that you've been used to, to kind of get everybody to see HR in in a different light as an actual hub of resources for
1: the employees yeah you know because you're bringing up the executives too like i think it kind of dovetails with one of my pet peeves is to a certain extent they're not completely to blame because for a long time a lot of hr departments really just did the paperwork and that was it and they they didn't you know show up as this consultative partner that helped them think through how to do the business but i see executives they don't take the time to really understand how to get the most out of that service and so a lot of times what they think you're supposed to do for them is nowhere near what the job or the services that you're doing on behalf of the company. Yeah. It's
2: been interesting when, you know, the new title of HR business partner, when you mm-hmm. talk about partners, you know, whether it's in life or at work, it's this 50-50 give and take. And, you know, to your point, it's like, they don't realize that HR is a give and take. They think we're either the police or they're the teachers. And it's really not. And I think it's really hard to get people to shift and saying, hey, what can I do for you, you know, or what is it that I need to do versus just saying, you're not doing this for me or, you know what I mean? It's just what can HR do for you? So it kind of, I mean, I think in the same thing that we're all talking about, I think it's hard for whether it's leaders or employees to not think about, it's all about me. It's all about me.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Agreed. And I I guess that's what I would throw out. And I I throw this to you too, Katie, is like, when you think of HR, let's throw that out there. Like, what are the top five things they should be leveraging HR for?
0: Because I don't think people know. That's an excellent question. Instead of seeing HR as the person that comes at you for annual training and or (laughs) is the overseer overseer for your review process. That's a really great question. Well, I love that Christina brought up HR business partners because you're seeing HRBPs, HR business partners, more and more as a resource sitting in talent management quadrants. And I think that's super helpful because it's changing the perception a little bit. Uh the HRBPs that I've worked with recently have been visible as an accessible touch point for employees and leadership of the team that that they oversee both avenues. Employees will come to the HRBPs if they're established well and really championed by human resources... The employees will come to the HRBPs with questions about, hey, I really want to stretch my skill set and learn so that I can kind of move into this part of the team or, or, you know, adapt to a new role. Do you have any tips for doing that? That's in a really functional HRBP dynamic. The HRBPs will then talk to the leaders and say, have you identified this individual? If not, is there a reason? If so, what can we do to start kind of giving more responsibilities or, or widening that skill set so? the employee can move into a role that they're interested in. So the biggest thing I guess I could say in a nutshell is use your HR contacts to advocate for yourself the game plan that you have set for your own skill development and career development. Find somebody in human resources if they exist that can help be your advocate and set you on the path that you have drawn. So draw your own map and then see who can uh, accompany you on that journey.
1: I like that. I mean, I you know, I love that you are bringing up the map. I like to think of it as everything in your car. So, like, ah. you're driving, you're running the business, you're deciding who's getting in the car with you. HR is checking your blind spot, making sure you're not doing anything illegal. <laughs> I love like that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, you've got your, they, you know, HR gives you helps you with your compass. Like, you're deciding which direction to go, but. You know, here are some things to know about road conditions and traffic. And then, you know, a little bit around making sure that the right people are getting in the car and education as to to how you're driving. So it's like a sophisticated system in your own car, but you're the one driving it. And I think that's the thing that I see the mishap on is they kind of go, HR is supposed to just let me do what I want to do. And the two mistakes that I see is either one, I want to fire someone and HR won't let me, Mm. or the Mm. other one is... You know the opposite of that promote somebody or you know hire someone and HR won't let me or there's a performance issue and I would like HR to go talk to them because I don't <laughs> want to have to talk to them yes um, oh my goodness one. that's the number <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you hit it <laughs> we've got gold we've got gold so yeah what do you do because I know you've got managers who come to you to do their dirty work how do you handle getting them back to go make that happen I mean, if I could be super
2: candid, I think I say this almost once a month to somebody when I say, unbelievably, I think the people we pay the most are the, the biggest offenders of avoiding conflict. And, and, you know, I call them chickens, to be very honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you guys are chickens. I pay you how much, and you guys can't tell your employee that, listen, you know, whether it's quality of work or time management, whatever it is. But when they come to me, I, I'm very straightforward and I'll say, so what are you going to do about it? I mean, that's the first question I I say, <laughs> so what are you going to do about it? How can I help you? You know? And if they say, well, can you have the conversation? I, I will say, I will have the conversation with you, but as a manager, it's really your job to have this conversation. I'll give you talking points. We can walk through it. But I mean, really you have to push back on them yeah. and it's their job, right? It's absolutely their job, whether a new manager or one that's been a manager for years or even C-suite executives have to have the same conversation. It just doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I think they they go to HR to remove their discomfort. And if that doesn't happen, somehow they feel like the, the job's not getting done. And I'm like, that's that's kind of not the point of human resources. I always like to say, like, I'm a compassionate reality checker, <laughs> but I'm not going to turn away from the reality. Reality is, is like, you've got to manage them. And what's fascinating to me is that On one turn, they'll say, I don't want to have the conversation. This is uncomfortable. And then on the other turn, this is the other issue that I brought up, is that they're complaining that, quote unquote, HR won't let me get rid of this person. Hmm. And so like, how do you, what is kind of, if you could just corral everybody in one room, Christina, and all those people that are saying HR won't let me get get this employee out of here. What is the thing that you want to just get them to, like, grasp and own and breathe? You know,
2: I, I if they ever said that to me, I said, the truth is, it's not that I won't let you fire them. I won't let you fire them now. That's what it is, right? Mm. You know, huh. you're, you're a manager. If you were managing this properly, then, and if, if you want to fire them now, we should have probably had this conversation three months ago. And if we would have managed this, or you would have managed this in a timely manner, We could be letting this person go right now, but we're not. So we're now at starting point A, and we actually have to inform the employee. We have to give them opportunity to improve, clear expectations, and actually give it time. And it's actually one of the first things, I think, whenever I start a new company, I sit with all, you know, every leader, and I say that. I say, listen, I'm your business partner. I'm here to coach and advise you. I'm not really here to do your dirty work. I will, you know, I will help you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're you're a manager, right? You're a leader. That's what I expect you to do. I think you kind of set those ground rules. But I mean, I have no, and, and again, this is obviously over time. You get comfortable enough to push back, right? Yeah. But I make them own it. Absolutely. I mean, from them writing their performance improvement plan, I make them own that. Obviously, I own, you know, revising it and finalizing it, but having the conversations, doing weekly one-on-ones, I mean, every piece of it, they have to own whether they like it or not.
1: Well, and I, you know, I, I I love that you're calling this out. And I think sometimes people kind of forget. I question the manager who's so eager to fire someone, hasn't documented, hasn't gone through the process and is frustrated that HR is not letting them throw the switch. I kind of go, what else are you doing as a manager that's not thoughtful?
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, you know, I, I would hate to think in this day and age that that is, that happens more than not, right? Or I guess it's just gut-wrenching to think that if that is, if I'm totally wrong and that yeah. happens all the time, then I, like, I don't know what's going on then, <laughs> you know? I That's, you know, that's, those are the kind of people that obviously gives HR a really bad rep. I was actually talking to my sister who's also in HR just today. We're driving home and we're talking about work. And she said, gosh, I really haven't been sleeping, you know. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, you know, I've got this really big ER case at work, and it's just really keeping me up. And I said, oh, that's not good, you know, when you kind of take it home, and it's really affecting me personally. And she said, you know, people really don't realize how much we do in HR. And she's like, and I actually wonder how many other HR people really kind of think about work at home this much, where it affects your sleep. And, and then I said, do you think, in the HR world, they're partners the way we are to our executives and our staff. I, I said, I guess, I bet you there's at least more 60-40. She said, I, I disagree. I think there's more 40-60 where there's 40% that are true business partners and thoughtful HR professionals. And the rest are probably kind of what you described Heather. other. And I said, oh, man, you know, it just sucks mm. to think like that.
1: I think you're you right. And, I, you know, in fairness, there I think there's been an evolution in HR. And I think I've watched an evolution in HR where it goes from, look, companies really did just leverage HR to process paperwork and to hold employee orientations or whatever. And now, you know, the larger companies out there, the companies have gotten more focused on their staff. So it kind of goes hand in hand. More and more companies are getting, if we don't take care of our employees, they're not going to do good work. And it costs us more money than it's worth. So who can help us do that? And they start to invest more and want to leverage HR people more. And there's more development out there for HR. So we've got people like you and your sister who are coming at it with a real kind of business savvy, a legal respect for what the role is. And not just, I used to be the admin and now I'm here. And it's not to say that you couldn't work your way up. It's just that it's actually treated like a career field where I think for a very long time, all companies kind of just saw HR as this kind of filing paperwork kind of person that came around once a year. And so it's, it's a lot of things happening at once that I think is making the field just a better, more well-respected uh, career to go into. But I would agree with you. I think with any job, any job you've got, from my experience, 40% people who are in the job they were meant to be in. And I think what's scary is when you've got people in HR who are there because that's just where they landed, or that's the next promotion they could take. To do that job well, you've got to have a serious love for what you're doing because it can burn you out fast. You get the ugliest of the ugliest when you're dealing in that career field.
0: Well, I think that's really true. And to piggyback on what you're saying, Heather, as far as having the capability and the training and the savvy and knowledge to be an effective human resources business partner or human resources representative, there's also a level of caring that, Christina, you kind of hit on in the conversation you were having with your sister, uh, not to be too melodramatic about it, but human resources is the closest branch of any corporation or business where you could drop parallels to social work in some ways. Uh, You're really working with people's lives and livelihoods in a way that nobody else in any other branch of the business is as truly tied into. And for 60% of the people in that office space not caring or recognizing the import of what you're doing, that makes it really hard on the 40% that are taking it very seriously and trying to do the best possible job. So yeah, I think that human resources suffers a little bit historically, like you were saying, Heather, from an image problem. And there's a siloing going on. Mm-hmm. I know the siloing is the buzzword right now. But <laughs> there's a little bit of Oh, there's, from the outside perspective, all of the other business units look to Human Resources and go, oh, they're the bean counters, they're the paper pushers, they're the ones who are figuring out who our health insurance is going to be annually, and they help the, the boss bring the hammer down when it's time to fire somebody, and that's about all they are for us, right? On the other hand, more than ever, to both of your points, Heather and Christina both, Human Resources is becoming this robust talent management system that's kind of from the minute an employee steps in to succession planning to every other step of their career, you are partnering with both the employees and the leadership to engage and give the tools that we have in the business available to make sure that everybody is optimized, that the talent is managed, and that our human resources are optimized. So I think the siloing goes a long way in keeping those perception and the reality kind of separate. And I wonder if there are any ideas. I know we've all sat in human resources in various roles. Christina, you're probably the most well versed having kind of touched all of those portions. And Heather, I know you and I in learning and development that frequently sits under human resources in a lot of companies. So I wonder if you've seen any ways that we as human resources representatives can on an individual basis kind of help unsilo ourselves and reach out to our other business partners.
2: You know, I think it's really important. I think the most important aspect of being in an HR business partner is being a business partner right mm-hmm. i mean once mm-hmm. once you you make it really clear to your executives that you're invested in whether it's their division their department you know or whatever the case is but their business they're like oh wow oh she knows what i do okay she yeah. knows, uh. right and then they start to pull you in and they'll say you know one of my favorite executives i remember she actually was the toughest interviewer ever And then when I finally got the job, she came to me and she said, I want you to sit in my weekly meetings. I want you to see what me and my team go through and all of our challenges. Mm. And that's how you can really help me. And I loved it. Right. I had no idea what they did. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I worked in entertainment, but I I never knew what it really meant to put a TV series on air. And. Mm. It was really amazing. I just said, I'm going to be a fly on the wall. She goes, that's all I want you to be. She goes, you can come and go whenever, whatever you want. And it was amazing. And I learned so much. And so when, she, when I would meet with her, she would tell me all her woes and I got it. I'm like, okay, so if you're challenged with this executive, let's do this instead. Or, you know, whatever the case is, but now I got it. Right. And they appreciate that. They'll totally pull you more in when they realize you're invested in their people, them, their business they're you know what they're doing actually and they appreciate that not just hey i'm here to tell you about this policy you can't do this and your benefit you know enrollments open you know that kind of stuff it's like they don't want to hear that they want to know hey how's that show going you know how are you doing with developing this or developing that i mean that's what they really want to talk to you about
0: Right. They, that makes so much sense. So doing your homework a little bit up front, but also investing that time in asking them the questions directly that tie you into their space, that actually put you in their office with them, figuring out the, the challenges that they have. I, that makes complete sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's weird how, and not weird, but there is this thing of where I've, I've seen HR people not cross that line and kind of just expect that they would get to know what I call your customer. Of course, you're going to get to know your customer. But I think some of it comes from when I worked at Disney, I used to get phone calls from people simply because I'm working at Disney and you'd get people who were graduating with their PhDs and OD and HR and all this type of stuff. And they'd be calling and going, how do I build a career? And they'd hate my answer because my answer would be, go get a management job at some place with hourly employees, Mm. like (laughs) go manage people. (laughs) who don't want to be there because until you've <laughs> managed someone and you understand the pressure of getting your performance judged based on how other people behave, you know, you're coming in and you've got a lot of education and I'm not discounting that, but you've got zero understanding of what that pressure feels like. And so you're coming in and you're going to tell some leader what, what you think they should do in their organization. Cause you read about something in a book and they're going to push back on you. And if you don't have any kind of street experience, of no, I know this to be true, because I've, I've lived it to some level, then you're not gonna be able to stand your ground that that leader is going to run all over you, they're not going to respect you. And they are going to use you as a pencil pusher versus leverage you as
0: a real partner. I love that, right? Actually put yourself in their shoes as much as possible. That makes complete sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, what are you what are you gonna coach them? I mean, to me, it's like, you know, whether it's sitting in the business and watching them go through things, whether it's You know, taking some time to actually get some experience under your belt as well before you jump in and start telling. You know, thinking like, well, I've got this great degree and I've studied a bunch of stuff and I'm going to start telling people how to run their business. Like, have some level of business exposure. When you were talking about silos, Katie, and this is something else that I see happen in HR. And I think it. You know, we're talking about HR, and it probably could apply to any department or function out there. But you know, I think that just HR plays such a critical role where we can't. We don't get the luxury of having our people dynamics messed up because Mm. we're asking others to rise to a higher level so it's kind of like working in legal and not being you know abiding by the law like we're double downing on how we're supposed to have departments but I find so many HR departments that have low morale are living in fear are worried about their leaders and what they're going to say to them and and that there's a lot of backbiting for promotions and I'm like we're a hot mess (laughs) and we're going out and telling people how to take care of their people and be people oriented and take care of the staff. And we're known for infighting. We're known for throwing each other under the bus. And I look at that and and I go, if you're going to get into the HR field, you have to study what it takes to manage people because if not, I've been in several HR departments where the leader was the most toxic leader I'd ever worked for or seen oh, yeah. in an organization. And
0: I think that's probably, you know, that makes so much sense that you're calling out the backbiting and historically what you've seen in a lot of human resources departments as far as throwing people under the bus and things that can contribute to the siloing because on some level, a department that's operating on that level goes, oh, well, we can't let other people see that this is what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so they throw up those walls. Uh-uh. Sure. No, that. That tracks.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's such a shame, too. I mean, I'm going to sound really old when I say this. I call it the (laughs) cobbler children don't have any shoes. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's so disappointing when that happens. And I will tell you, if I ever work in a department like that, I'm out.
1: Yeah. I'll be yeah. the first now, you know what I mean? I, and I've gotten like that too, where I've just learned, you know, when I'm, I'm coming up in my career, which those were all good lessons for me to have, I kind of just tolerated it because I didn't know any different. And now I realize it's the, just, it's such an unhealthy thing. And, and now, you know, I'm a consultant now, so I'm brought in, but I'm brought in a lot of times to HR departments, sometimes just to help them. But I, I always look, and sometimes I'll come across an HR team where I'm like, they're living what they're preaching. But more often than not, I'm coming into an HR team and I'm like, you are the dysfunctional family that's having everyone over for dinner trying to pretend like everything's great and (laughs) it's just a dysfunctional mess and everyone can feel it and no one wants to show up.
0: (laughs) I love that. Well, I uh, typically the budget person on this show. uh, (laughs) I want to throw in something that I've observed about the uh, human resources budget situation, uh, at least where I've walked in a lot. I've been blessed to be added into human resources uh, business units. However, I'm always sensitive to the fact that at the end of the day, human resources is not a money producing bucket for any business. There yeah. is, it is not driving sales. It can contribute to the support of the teams that drive sales. It can contribute to the product development. It contributes mightily to all of those if done right, but it in and of itself does not bring home the bacon and so human resources departments are frequently begging borrowing and stealing whatever additional overhead they can to get whatever meager resources are available under their umbrella so that they can actually do their jobs better so i will hear just in the hallway at a lot of the places that i work with why doesn't human resources invest more in the infrastructure or why don't you as the trainer have more of the resources that you obviously (laughs) need or whatever <laughs> Whatever the, I, I hope i'm not making. And you're like listen
2: i'm lucky i got a <laughs> job because learning <laughs> development is usually not in the budget
0: yes yes exactly that's what i'm, I'm always trying to like say that with my eyes right. while not saying right. it with my mouth <laughs> <laughs> right. but th- And that's that's one of the things that I-, I wish everybody knew about how human resources is always coming in, working so hard to help the teams that we partner with, with one hand tied behind our back. I mean, I speaking. agree, but I
1: also I'm going to be a little bit of devil's advocate because yeah. a lot of times, as much as that's true, HR is a call center. But I think there's also this element of people in HR, uh, from what I've experienced, the majority of them have an aversion <laughs> To treating it like a business they're all there because Mm. they love people and then they're not really they're not like to your point of like sitting with the business and then coming back and going here's the business proposal for what you need to spend money on a lot of times they're begging borrowing and stealing because they're kind of waiting for the company to value what they do and just give them money versus proactively talking to the leaders knowing how to talk money and tie it to Here's what we do. Here's how it ends up, you know, helping you save or make money, even though it might be two steps removed.
0: Right. But actually, again, drawing that map for everybody so that they see where you're going with the request. That makes complete sense. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, and listen, it's hard. I mean, again, I think they want HR to have all the answers. It's like, mm. you know, fine, go get me, you know, go to the store, get me these 10 things and here's a dollar. You know that. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, okay, yeah. Let me let me go work my magic, right? I mean, truth is, <laughs> you know, they want but the, You know, they come to us and they're say, "Can we get more training? Can I get the promotion? Can I get a new desk? Can I, you know all these things?" And you know, again, it's one of those things where, okay, let's think about what our priorities are. What's the trade-off? Is this really needed? What does this mean for you know the department, for the company? Those kind of things. And I mean, it's tough. I know when I put together any kind of New proposal for anything, whether it's rewards and recognition, bonus plan, anything. I have to think about kind of the non-monetary pieces of it. There's a reason why I know Heather so well is because I've always had outsourced my learning development. We've mm. I've never had anybody on staff because I've I've needed to be able to kind of not spend the money, and then when we have the money, oh my gosh, Heather, can you come back in? You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where hopefully, if you are planful enough with your head of HR whoever it is budget for things understand priorities to listen i know we don't have a lot but this is what i think either this office or this you know the company needs and you really plan it heather's been great at that with me i know i've said listen i've
1: got only a dollar <laughs> but this is what you're to <laughs> can you just make it happen for me <laughs> well <laughs> and it. i think that's from for, from years of to your point, like working it, because I, I think it's a balance of do you know how to make a million dishes out of one meatloaf, which that's part of the skill that you get from working in, in HR, and on the other side, can you sell people putting more money than a dollar right. into it? But I, you know, I think that also, like we've been talking about a lot of the challenges, and at the end of the day, all three of us have been in this field for the majority of our career, if not the entire career. So there's something about it that we love, and. I know for me, anytime I've been tapped to go into a different direction with my career, I'm like, I have zero interest. Like, this is, this is home uh-huh. for me. I might <laughs> I might do it differently. I might do it on the outside versus inside a company. But at the end of the day, to me, helping people find out what they want to do in life, get them set up to where they're successful and where they spend it. Katie, I loved your whole analogy with social work. It's where people spend the majority of their time is at work. And to how to make that fulfilling is huge to me. What about you guys? Why do you keep coming back?
0: I love the people that I end up working with in virtually every human resources department that I'm parked in. Even if I'm encountering a possibly frustrated and ground down people person that's been just kind of like heaped on from a couple of years of uh, of misuse and abuse. Everybody in human resources at their core, with very few exceptions, are people that ended up in this role Because on some level, they wanted to interact. And it's a seat from which you get to meet so many other people on so many other teams within the business, you really get a wide variety of experiences and access to so many different roles and so many different perspectives. If you unsilo yourself and and allow yourself to be part of the magic that each of these business units is uh, bringing into the corporation as a whole, so I think just the opportunity to really engage with just a wide variety of other people is what keeps bringing me back to uh, human resources as part of learning and development. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think for me, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. I think there's three really big reasons and. I think about this every time if I'm, like, looking for a new opportunity or I'm interviewing or anything of that sort. But I think, one, Katie, the people I work with, I think when I find really great, smart, passionate HR professionals, I love it. It's like I thrive on working with those kind of professionals. Mm -hmm. Two, I love learning about businesses. I always say we can do HR anywhere. But the thing is, really understanding that business is so key. And it's it's the curious piece of me that I say, again, I know how to promote and hire and fire and restructure and reorg, do all those things. But I every time I go into a new company or a new industry, it's just so fascinating to me, right? And then I go, how do I tie that into my people strategy, right? How do I help this company people ah. aspect of it? And it's the piece where you go, you know, I'm. You know, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. Am I really going to learn anything else? And the answer is yes. Right. Mm. I love that piece. It keeps me going. And then I think the third part is almost like the social worker slash teacher aspect of it, where you go, if I could just save one student or one child, <laughs> worth it, right? So I get
1: that, right. I get that one
2: manager who says, "Christina, you have taught me so much. I had no idea." what you did. And I appreciate you. I just want to just fall to the floor and say, (laughs) I saved the child. Right? (laughs) I made one good manager. If that's all I did in my career, I did. I made one great manager.
0: I've done my job. And you've been an ambassador for what human resources can be. Which is yeah. awesome, too.
1: And and I will say from experience working closely with both of you, you have definitely saved more than uh, your share of one manager, if not uh, hundreds, I'm sure. But I've, I've seen excellent <laughs> work out of both of you. So... I say we ended on that love fest there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. And right that. back at you, Heather, I have seen so many people turn around not only their management strategy, but really their lives after you've gone after you've gone. Um, <laughs> I, I to love them. that.
1: I love that. I would I would love to think that. I think we're all doing our own little small part and I think it's awesome. So thank and for that matter, thank you, Christina, for, for coming on our podcast. And that's kind of the hope of this podcast. So appreciate it. Yeah. Oh no,
2: I This was so much fun. I really, really had so much fun. Thank
1: you
0: so much. Us too. Thank you you so much for joining us. And so now that you've heard from us on kind of the inside the HR studio, we want to hear from you. If you have a question or story that you want to share that has to do with any HR horror stories, spooky coming up uh, on Halloween, (laughs) drop us a line. You can tweet us at LMTP Consulting. Message us on Instagram, Lowman on the Totem Pole, all one word, or email us, lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy Halloween! Bye. 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 Thanks, Christina. Thanks so much. I really do appreciate it.